Welcome to the New Books Network. Hello, my name is Roland Clark, and I'm here today talking to Philip Blasen, who is a researcher at the A.D. Zenopol Institute of History as part of the Romanian Academy in Yash. The book we're talking about is called The Primacy of the Romanian Nation and the Foreigners, Minorities and Their Freedom to Work Under the Goga Cabinet and the Royal Dictatorship, which is based on a doctoral dissertation that Philip wrote at the Babes Bola University in Cluj. Philip, you're writing about foreigners in Romania, but you're a foreigner yourself. Can you tell us a bit about how a nice boy from Luxembourg came to be interested in Romanian history? Uh, hello, Roland. Uh, in the first place, I would like to point out that uh, foreigners is uh, between inverted commas in the title of my book because it refers to a word that was used by the R- Romanian and mostly by the Romanian nationalist against the Jews, but also against every other ethnicity in Romania that was non-Romanian and was considered not to really belong there. And it was also viewed as a slur by the minorities in Romania itself. So I am a foreigner of the real kind who has come from abroad to Romania. Uh, That has been in, uh, that was in uh, 2009. At that time I was uh, studying history history of religions in uh, Lausanne and uh, the dean of my faculty had a personal connection with Yash and decided to organize a kind of excursion for the students to Romania and so I went to Romania and um, I was really interested I I liked the landscape in the first place but I was also very interested in the language because uh, it seemed very easy and yet very bizarre language to learn. And so when I went back to the University of Lausanne, I started just uh, looking for books written in Romanian at a library. I found uh, the novels by uh, the fantastic novels by Eliad. And so I started reading it. Of course, I I was able to get uh, rather fast into the language, but then um, I never had heard anybody well, I had heard people speak the language, but I was very convinced that I spoke the language actually as it should be. And it took me some time afterwards to really be able to speak it correctly. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so um, I wanted to go back to Romania. And uh, I had the chance that there was um, a nun from a congregation for which my mother had worked and who was staying in Bucharest and he had a uh, um, uh, an acquaintance in uh, Cluj. And so I went to Cluj, and when I went to Cluj, I focused on the history of uh, and the Greek Catholic Church and uh, its relations with the Orthodox Church. And it is also what my master thesis was about. And so from that moment on, I somehow stayed in Romania. Yeah, it seems once, once Romania gets in your blood it's hard to it's hard to let it go um so you moved on from writing about greek catholics and you started looking at these regimes first goga kuza um, regime and then king carol ii's dictatorship and historians have written a lot about fascist movements in romania like the very colorful legion of the archangel michael whose leader kodranu was killed in 1938 and there's a big literature on the holocaust in romania which began in 1941 
But not much is known about this period between 1938 and 1941, uh, when you have this rapidly, rapidly anti-Semitic government of Gogo and Kuza that lasts for only 38 days, and then another anti-Semitic regime, um, this time a royal dictatorship. Why do you think it is that historians have focused so little on this period compared to before and after? Is it because we don't have sources or...? Uh, in fact, we have uh, quite a lot of sources, and my interest in that period was risen by the fact that I found the archives of the Ministry for Minorities hidden somewhere in the general archives and general collection of the um, presidents of the Council of Ministers, of the Prime Minister's office. And uh, so the sources are not a problem. I would uh, rather say that the problem is uh, a periodization. Because um, usually historians who focus on the democratic rule in interwar Romania, which would last until December 1937 or December uh, or February 1938, according to what's a point of view the historian has on the Goga government, if it is uh, still a democratic uh, government or is, if it is a transition towards an authoritarian rule. And thereafter, people omit somehow the royal dictatorship in order to focus immediately on the national leader in your state and on Antonescu's dictatorship. And that, of course, uh, occurs mainly in uh, Jewish studies because compared to what happened in the national legendary state and in Antonescu's dictatorship the, uh, with uh, full-fledged Holocaust, everything that was before was somehow regarded as a minor um, uh, incidents of anti-Semitic uh, manifestations. And um, also, in this perspective, the Goga government is very often seen as a parenthesis instead of as a lead-off towards an openly anti-Semitic uh, regime. Um, can you tell us a bit about the types of sources you did find and how you used them? Uh, yes. Um, so, in order to have a timeline... I read uh, quite a lot of newspaper uh, newspapers printed in Romania as I was writing my book in French or my thesis in French. I uh, used the French uh, written newspapers, which are Le Moment and uh, Independence Romaine. But um, thereafter, I, in order to get behind the scenes, I started looking into uh, police and uh, gendarmerie files, also in the archives of the Front of National Rebirth, which was the uh, royal dictatorship's uh, um, official party. And uh, what is interesting, they had uh, something called guards of the Front of National Rebirth, which did a job very similar to uh, the police or gendarmerie keeping monthly reports on the state status of uh, the population, how the population was feeling, what kind of uh, political uh, uh, currents were dominant, uh, what, I don't know, even things like uh, uh, Hungarian revisionism or 
communist uh, activities were looked into by these guards. And uh, I, I did not only go to Bucharest, as many historians unfortunately do, but I also went to uh, regional archives, um, the archives of the different uh, districts of uh, Romania, which are fascinating because there you really get at the local level and you can find uh, information that is far more nuanced than that which is sent finally to Bucharest. Thereafter, um, uh, already I have mentioned it, I, I found the archives of the uh, Commissariat General and later the Ministry for Minorities. I also focused on uh, diplomatic archives, the French ones that have been in pl- uh, published by uh, Karol Janko, uh, the German one and the British one, which I found in uh, Berlin and in Kew. And uh, finally, of course, secondary uh, literature, there's quite a lot, as you mentioned about uh, Romanian fascism, your own book, then the book by Oliver Jens Schmidt, uh, Tayan Sandu, about the uh, Legion of Archangel Michael. And there have been uh, a number of really excellent uh, publications on minorities. I'm going to quote a, a few names. Um, on the Hungarian minority, there are books by Franz Horvath and articles by Gabor Egri. Uh, about the German minority, you have a lot by Wolfgang Miege, Dirk Jachomowski, Paul Milata. Then um, about the Jewish minority, you have quite a lot of stuff, but uh, uh, I think I find that the best work on interwar, uh, on the interwar Jewish community is by Attila Gido from uh, Cluj. And uh, you have also an excellent book by uh, Lucian Butaru on racism, which also touches upon the issue of anti-Semitism. And finally, there is a brilliant um, uh, thesis by Florin Rezvan Mihai about uh, Ukrainians, but unfortunately it has not been uh, published. So these books and articles have the advantage that they focused on the relations uh, between the minorities and the state from the perspective mainly of the minorities. And it is very, very helpful as I was looking into the perspective from the Romanian state, so it was somehow uh, complementary. Um, one of the sources you mentioned there, which is really unusual in this sort of study, is diplomatic archives. Um, what drew you to diplomatic archives? And how do you think that using diplomatic sources um, changed your thinking about this history? Yes, as I mentioned, uh, I used the uh, French diplomatic reports edited by Carol Janko, and then I went uh, to Berlin where I saw uh, diplomatic reports, but also the reports from the consul in uh, Chernowitz. And uh, the same, I went to Kew, and there I found a lot of reports uh, by the um, uh, British uh, Minister plenipotentiary in Bucharest, which have not been published. And uh, it's very important, in fact, if you study domestic uh, politics of a state, to go and to look up what uh, the representatives of foreign states are saying about it. In fact, I found more about Ukrainians in the archives of the uh, German consulate in Chernovitz and Chernovitz 
than I found in the archives in Romania. And um, what is also important, what I hadn't realized at the beginning, is that uh, you see uh, at some point the politics the, regarding the minorities uh, which are enacted in France, Great Britain, Germany. And that helped me to understand that, in fact, there is a relation between international politics and domestic politics. Uh, just to give you one example, there is, um, I mean, the Goka government uh, is uh, starting a revision of the citizenship, which is, in fact, directed against the Jews. And um, when uh, Carol the second, King Carol the second stages his coup in February 1938, uh, he continues this, poli uh, this policy, but he doesn't worsen it in the immediately. Afterwards, it's going to there are going to be anti-Semitic laws, but not immediately. And uh, in fact, the reason seems to be that King Carol the second was going to visit uh, London. And so uh, he was afraid the um, British minister plenipotentiary had threatened him indirectly that if he was going to worsen the anti-Semitic uh, policy, that this uh, visit could not take place. And so I'm going to uh, also mention uh, last um, archive, which is somehow enters into this category of uh, diplomatic archives, which is uh, the archive of the League of Nations in Geneva, which uh, now has been completely digitized. Uh, when I went to Geneva, it hadn't been yet. And uh, that is also very interesting because um, you have um, protests by the big Jewish organizations against the anti-Semitic measures of the Goga government, and this continues uh, during uh, the royal dictatorship. And there you can also see what the policy, not only of the League of Nations, but also of, the Fra of France and Britain, which were dominant in the League at the time, was towards Romania. In fact, at some point, you were just uh, giving up uh, protecting uh, Jewish rights because they were too afraid that... Uh, Romania would slide towards uh, Germany and enter the German sphere of influence. Uh, yeah, there's nothing more annoying. Um, it's exciting when archives get digitized, but when you see that you, you you spent hours and hours going through these paper files and you had to travel a long way, and then now anyone can just access them easily. Um, but, but yeah, um, I was really struck when I was reading the book about how how rich these diplomatic archives are, and yet no one ever looks at them. Uh, another interesting thing about this book is most historians who write about government policy towards minorities, they they lump all minorities together as, as a single group. But you treat Saxons and Hungarians and Ukrainians and Jews, um, and rather than just looking at... You treat them separately, and rather than just looking at the way that the government treated them, you also look at the way that they reacted and how they were able to even shape government policy in some instances. Can you talk us through each of these groups separately uh, in terms of how the government treated them and how they responded? Uh, yes. So 
Uh, as I said before, we have this word foreigners, which I used uh, between inverted commas in the title. And in fact, um, this is the general attitude of the Romanian government towards all the so-called minorities. They are treated as being uh, something else than the Romanians and they are disregarded. However, they are disregarded in different ways. Um, the initial situation which explains this uh, situation is an economic one. The minorities were relatively more present in the secondary and tertiary sectors than the Romanian ethnics, and the Romanians, uh, the Romanian politicians, were asking, were demanding that uh, the Romanians um, receive their share of the jobs in these sectors. And they came up with something which might be called mathematical justice. So the part of each ethnic group in each sector had not to exceed its demographic weight. Um, this was somehow the moderate version because uh, the um, strong version, the radical version, which is the one which I mentioned also in the title, also between inverted commas, is the primacy of the Romanian nation. So the Romanians have to dominate each sector regardless of the demographic weight of each group. And this expression, uh, by the way, has been used by King Carol II himself in connection with the uh, constitution which he uh, promulgated in 1938. However, if we look at how the Romanian government treats every minority, um, there are big differences. In fact, uh, the German and the Hungarian minorities are somehow privileged, which means that they are granted more or less the rights which uh, Romania, in fact, committed to respect through the 1919 Minority Treaty. Also, if you look at the activity of the Commissariat General and later the Ministry for Minorities, it mostly deals with the German and the Hungarian groups. So what were the reasons for this um, treatment? On the one hand, there was um, a positive image of these groups, mainly the Germans, uh, who were regarded as more civilized somehow, even than the Romanians in uh, some instances. For instance, I found a report where a German um, settlement next to Suchava was given as a model for the Romanian, uh, Romanian population in Suchava. But on the other hand, we have a very strong... Um, motives that relate to international uh, politics. Uh, in the first place, Romania was trying already in the late 1930s uh, to uh, have economic connections with Germany. And uh, during the royal dictatorship, they become uh, also ideological connections and ideological repro uh, rapprochement. Also, uh, during the, the royal dictatorship uh, uh, in November 1938, um, the leader of the Legion of Archangel Michael 
Codriano uh, is murdered and uh, Romanian propaganda how somehow uh, makes it look as if King Carol II had been allowed by Hitler himself during a, a visit uh, short before to kill Codriano. And the uh, German government then uses this in order to put massive pressure on Romania. And in exchange, Romania tries again to reconciliate with Germany by giving more rights to the German minority, which is, are also uh, requested by the German government. As regards the Hungarians, there the situation is a bit different because you have a, an attempt of a rapprochement, a rapprochement in um, summer 1938, which fails. But thereafter, you have the continuous military pressure from Hungary on Romania. And so Rom the Romanian government is willing to make some concessions to the Hungarian minority in order to not give the Hungarian government a motive to attack, uh, to, uh, to uh, invade uh, Romania. Then, as I said before, the Jews were officially protected by France and Britain, but already during the Goga government, uh, the, uh, the France and Britain uh, somehow Give, gave up the protection because they were too afraid of what would happen to uh, the Romania's uh, alliance with France mostly, but also somehow with Britain. And uh, at a later point, they are just not doing anything anymore um, for the Jews because they are too afraid of the reaction in the Romanian population, which has uh, been exposed to this whole anti-Semitism during the Goga government, which has also been renewed by the royal dictatorship. Um, the motive for this, uh, for continuing the um, anti-Semitic policy of the Goga government was that King Carol II was fighting against the legion of Archangel Michael, and he was afraid that his fault would be understood as an anti-nationalist fault. Uh, fight. So he was, uh, his slogan was somehow for each measure against the Legion of Archangel Michael, there needs to be one nationalist, it is uh, one anti Semitic measure. And finally, we came to, come to the Ukrainians. Um, the Ukrainians did not profit from any protection, but after the Soviet Union invaded Poland in 1939. Um, the Romanian government was however, uh, somehow uh, ready to make some concessions to any minority which the Soviet Union might protect. And so at a very late moment, they integrated the Ukrainian minority in the party of the regime, the Front of National Rebirth. Uh, just to come back to the Jews for a minute, was government policy towards Jews, do you think, fundamentally different in comparison to their their policies towards other so-called foreigners, or were Jews just the most oppressed group in a in a long spectrum? So, as I have said before, this whole idea of fighting um, of um, 
continuing the anti-Semitic policy of the Goga government came from this idea that uh, the royal dictatorship wanted to show that uh, they were not anti-national. And um, so you have quite a lot of anti-Semitic measures which are taken, but which are not actually... Well, I mean, the discourse about these measures is very ambiguous. So it's very clear that they are anti-Semitic, but they are not openly anti-Semitic. And it's only in August 1940 that the royal dictatorship, after um, unilaterally uh, allying with uh, Germany, um, promulgates uh, openly anti-Semitic laws on the Italian and uh, Hungarian model. So it's clear that there is an anti-Semitic policy which is different from the general anti-minoritarian politics, but uh, due to the fact that it's not openly anti-Semitic, you have quite a lot of measures that affect at the same time the Jews, other minorities, and even the Romanians. Just to quote one, at uh, one point, uh, the royal dictatorship decides to withdraw the li- licenses, the alcohol licenses in Transylvania and Bukovina, which is a step towards an anti-Semitic uh, measure which comes uh, uh, at a later point. But this measure also affects um, other minorities which were holding an alcohol license. Well, I, I mean, uh, regarding the um, the effects of an anti-Semitic measure on the Romanians, uh, there is one that has happened already during the Goga government. Um, the the son of um, Archekusa, the dean somehow of uh, anti-Semitism in uh, Romania, banned in January 1938. Uh, the Jewish household from employing female Christian servants under the age of 40. Uh, And this measure, in fact, affected far more the Christian servants than it harmed the the Jews. And so as they had at one point to take it back also because the um, British minister plenipotentiary was uh, putting pressure on the government to cancel it. But so the, the 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 problem is or the 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 main issue of writing about the policies against minorities and or against Jews during the royal dictatorship is really that everything is interconnected and you have the measures that are meant to be anti-Semitic that hurt. other minorities and Romanians, and you have the measures that are mm, somehow in the spirit of uh, giving the primacy to the uh, Romanian nations that affect every minority, including the Jews. And so it's very difficult to separate it. Yeah, it sounds like a lot of these laws are just badly thought through. There's, uh, it reminds me of a famous quote by Nikifor Krajnik, who was one of the leaders of the anti-Semitic movement in Romania, and they passed a law saying that you're not allowed to practice medicine if you have your degree from abroad 
Um, but his wife was a doctor who had her degree from abroad, and this was supposed to be directed at Jews. Um, and he throws up his hands and he's like, "That was it's not the point of the law. The Lord of the law is to hurt Jews, not my not my wife." Um, I think and, that uh, may I say something? Yeah, go for it. Uh, I think that you are referring to the revision of the diplomas given to physicians uh, who have studied uh, abroad. Yes, that's right. And um, this was meant as an anti-Semitic measure, measure, and I'm talking in detail about this in my book because uh, um, I have not found. Uh, uh, I, I don't remember having uh, found um, a case where a Romanian was affected. But indeed, this was meant to go against the Jews in the first place. But uh, there were quite a lot of other. Uh, of members of other minorities that uh, were affected by it. And uh, there's even a very interesting case where a German writes to the Ministry for Minorities to explain that he is a German and that he uh, should keep his diploma and the Minister of Minorities just uh, interprets that, in fact, his name is German, so he's a Jew and so... Uh, uh, he needs to lose his uh, diploma. <laughs> um, in the book, you go into a lot of specific occupations, such as journalism, medicine, engineering, architecture, and as well as free enterprise. To what extent do these measures depend on specific professions that we're talking about? So we have measures that affect every branch of economic life. At the same time, um, some of these measures come from the Romanian government and other are just um, effects of uh, the laws adopted by the government. Um, well, we have also a, a big difference between uh, measures that are taking, taken by um, law or by decree and then a lot of measures that are just uh, implemented through uh, ministerial orders. So uh, if we have journalism, uh, the um, fight against Jewish journalism mainly started under the Goga government because Goga was not happy that the Jews were insulting him. Uh, and uh, it continued under um, uh, the royal dictatorship out of several uh, um, reasons. On the one hand, uh, there was an anti-Semitic motive to it. On the other hand, they were just trying to get rid of every uh, newspaper written in uh, a foreign language, although they made, my, uh, made quite a lot of uh, exceptions. And um, then they were afraid of uh, letting newspapers survive that uh, were printed at the margins of uh, the Romanian state. And so they uh, uh, suspended um, quite a lot of newspapers written by the minorities and by Romanians. For instance, in Bessarabia, uh, I think none of the local newspapers survived there. And uh, this measure was enacted by uh, 
minister uh, decisions. So this was not in the law. Um, then you mentioned medicine. We talked about that before. That was a revision of uh, the diplomas. So uh, this was somehow to hide the general intention of uh, withdrawing the diplomas of the Jews and of the other minorities. And so uh, under pretext that diplomas had been falsified, a general revision was started and quite a lot of uh, physicians and pharmacists lost their diplomas, which was quite absurd because at that point uh, Romania was lacking uh, physicians. Um, for instance, uh, I don't remember the exact numbers, but in Moldova you had one for a physician for several tens of thousands of patients. So it was uh, it illustrates somehow to see that these measures were taken out of an idealist um, idea and not uh, uh, for somehow um, it, it, there was a quite big lack of pragmatism in taking them. Uh, then engineering and architecture, this is interesting because um, engineers were thrown out uh, from the General Association of Romanian Engineers and it seems that similar things happened uh, for the architects, but this was not decided on the government level. However, it was based on the revision of citizenship, which I mentioned earlier. So the Goga government started a general revision also, not to have an anti-Semitic law, but to withdraw the citizenship from the Jews on a pseudo-legal basis. And in that law, at some point, it was mentioned that... Uh, until the end of uh, the revision, the electoral uh, rights of the people submitted to the revision would be suspended. And this uh, article, this clause was interpreted against uh, the Jews in general, and so uh, the General Association of Romanian Engineers, but also the several uh, local uh, um, lawyer bars uh, decided to evict the Jews. And what is interesting, the General Association of Romanian Engineers, Ajir in the abbreviation, uh, they evicted not only the Jews, but they also evicted uh, quite a lot of their Slavic members, so Russians and Ukrainians. Uh, then uh, free enterprise, which you mentioned, um, th there was actually no official there was no law uh, which would have allowed for evicting minorities from enterprises. However, there were a couple of uh, protect uh, protectionist laws uh, from the 90, late 1920s, early 1930s that allowed for, um, the, for quotas of Romanian and foreign um, employees in enterprises and already during the national liberal government so before the Goga government this law was actively used to get rid of employees that belong to the minorities that were Jewish or German or Ukrainian to get rid of them from the enterprises to free space from for Romanian employees and often uh, qualified Romanian employees was lacking. So that was, again, an 
idealist measure that took not at all into account uh, the reality. Um, and then we have uh, measures that are enacted also on the ground of uh, laws that are somehow distortioned in order to get the desired effects. For instance, uh, we have the public uh, employees, uh, the um, public officials that uh, are made redundant based on uh, results of uh, Romanian exams where public uh, officials needed to know the Romanian language. Also, if they are, were, had some function that was where Romanian was not at all essential, so if they were just, uh, if they were technical stuff. And uh, uh, there are some instances where the minister, uh, Ministry of in Interior really tried to use that law in order to get rid of as many as possible uh, public employees as possible. And interestingly, you have a huge resistance from uh, many of the local administrations, uh, district prefects. So that is also interesting because um, uh, we have this idea the um, royal dictatorship often uh, uh, explained the measures against the minorities abroad by saying it's not the government, it are the local authorities. And in fact, uh, this case of the uh, public officials just uh, shows that you had local administrations that were actually protect, uh, protecting the members of the minorities against the Ministry of Interior. Um, um, yeah, yeah, it, it sounds, sounds like, like government put put laws into practice, but then it's, it requires the local people either to implement them much more than the government asked or to really push back, um, as well as restricting people's right to work by ethnicity. These regimes also tried to co-opt ethnic minorities into the National Regeneration Front, which you mentioned before as a monolithic political party created by Carol II that everyone was supposed to support and which carried with it opportunities and obligations for social work, education, promotion. How did different ethnic groups respond to Fenere? So the... This idea of having one single official party already starts at the beginning of the year 1938 during the Goka government. So uh, King Carol II is discussing with Armand Kalinescu, his main uh, men during the whole um, royal dictatorship until his assassination in September 1939. He's already discussing this idea of having uh, one single party. And um, so political parties are banned in March 1938, which is actually viewed quite positively by the population because it puts an end to uh, some local quarrels that were just based on, based on the belonging to uh, uh, one a political group or to another and so at that point it's uh, it's a very positive measure for the population interestingly these political groups are uh, 
uh, officially banned, but they continue to exist. And uh, among other things, you have the uh, former political organizations of the minorities that continue to exist and that continue to be, in fact, uh, um, in the, in dialogue with the Romanian government. So the Romanian government that has banned them actually continues to have them as uh, an official partner. And uh, in December 1938, uh, this uh, Front of National Rebirth is created on, um, it's not very clear, on different fascist uh, models. It's never going to be a working uh, organization. It has quite a lot of problems, mainly it's lacking an ideology. But um, it's the only organization in which political life is allowed which is why uh, minorities, uh, mainly in first place the Germans, uh, are eager, at the beginning they don't want to accept it at all, but at some point they are eager to uh, become a member as a collective group in the front of national rebirth in order to continue uh, their political life. Uh, what is also interesting, the Front of National Rebirth has been created as a Romanian party meant to support Romanian nationalism. So there has been no idea at all how to integrate the minorities into them. And also the Commissioner General for the minorities has not been informed about the creation of this Front of National Rebirth. So it's quite a big chaos at that point. But in January 1939, the Germans uh, succeed in getting an agreement with the government. They uh, join collectively the front and they are allowed to have a cultural organization, which in fact will later become the new political organization of the Germans. Uh, the similar agreements are made with the Hungarians, the Bulgarians, and as I stated before, very late in October 1939 with the Ukrainians. Um, so these uh, cultural groups, the actually what, what was meant to be the political uh, part of the minorities, they were a German and Hungarian Bulgarian section in the front of national rebirth. Uh, they have some importance in the sense that these are the leaders of the different um, minorities that are in dialogue with the Romanian government, but they are in fact these cultural organizations that become the new political entities. And uh, in the case of uh, the Germans, it is uh, dominated from the beginning by the German government. And in the case of the Hungarians in uh, 1939, it also uh, becomes, in fact, uh, a branch uh, or an instrument of the Hungarian uh, government. So that might be a, a negative outcome from uh, for the regime. But at the same time, they are quite happy to have these organizations because it somehow allows them to super, supervise uh, the activity of the minorities. And uh, 
although the King Carol has, uh, the second at some point wants to disband uh, German um, organization, this actually never happens, which shows that there are some practical reasons to keep uh, to keep these organizations. The last thing regarding the front of uh, national rebirth, um, there had been some discussions for the Jews to join the front, but this was really uh, in disagreement with uh, this idea that the front of national rebirth should be a place of Romanian nationalism and Romanian nationalists were already uh, dissatisfied with the fact that minorities had joined the front. Um, but the Jews are never excluded from the front until the moment where the front becomes the party of the nation, which is in uh, July, uh, June uh, 1940. But until then, Jews are allowed to join the front individually, although their names would be just um, deleted from the list of people who join the front uh, individually. <laughs> it says like another example of the apostle law and then afterwards you work out what the law means and how to implement it. Um, in most of the literature, there's a really clear line between parliamentary democracy and the anti-Semitic regimes of Goga, Kuzer and Carroll. Um, is that a fair distinction? Or you mentioned before the, the problem here is periodization. Are there actually more continuities between the late 1930s and these regimes than is usually acknowledged? There is a very clear continuity. Uh, I mentioned before um, this uh, implementation of the uh, protectionist laws that was uh, that were used in order to uh, expel uh, members of the minorities from the enterprises in order to replace them with Romanians, and. Um, you have at one point in 1937 a discussion whether there shouldn't be a law through which uh, there is one single quota um, for uh, ethnic Romanians and for members of minorities in the enterprises. So this would have transformed, in fact, the protectionist laws in an anti-minoritarian law. And uh, also you have a beginning of anti-Semitism, which seems to have quite pleased the, the German state, because at one point the uh, German minister plenipotentiary suggests to uh, support the National Liberal Party during the 1937 elections, because it seems to be the best uh, guarantee to have an anti-Semitic uh, party ruling the country. Um, so what the German government in fact supports the National Liberal Party against the openly anti-Semitic uh, um, Legion of the Archangel Michael and uh, Goga's uh, Christian National Party. However, it is clear that you have uh, a, a break because um, the Goga government introduces this revision of citizenship. There had been similar measures already earlier since, since 1934, but this is just generalizing. And from this revision, you 
get during the dictator uh, the royal dictatorship some laws that just uh, impose so many conditions on the Jews who have lost their citizenship, which is around a third of the people who have been submitted to the revision, that makes the uh, that uh, in fact prevents the Jews from having access to jobs in Romania. So. Um, might say you have the continuity on the whole, but uh, the main thing is that the Goga government creates the anti-Semitic legislation, but also the anti-Semitic atmosphere that afterwards um, uh, continues during the royal dictatorship and is even uh, worsened during the royal dictatorship. So what about the difference between the Goga Kuza government and the royal dictatorship? Um, were they similar or different in terms of their attitude toward minorities? Um, it's very difficult, in fact, to talk about the Goga government because it has been very short. So a lot of things were announced by uh, Goga that reflected, in fact, the uh, program of Arce Kuza uh, of the early 1920s. But uh, many of these announcements become, in fact, uh, political arguments in the, the electoral campaign that starts uh, in uh, early 1938. And so instead of taking measures, uh, the Goga government is promising these measures uh, during its next government, as it wants to uh, win the elections. And so what you have during the Goga government are a lot of um, very punctual measures that affect in part a lot of people. I mean, uh, for instance, he uh, suspends the uh, big newspaper Adeverol, uh, and uh, that affects also the Romains because there are a lot, there are even more Romanian workers in the different uh, branches of Adeverul that there are um, Jews or members of other minorities. So uh, there is quite, it's quite difficult to evaluate the Goga government because it has been so short, but we see that it started this uh, general revision of the citizenship which targeted mainly the Jews. It also um, created a very strong anti-Semitic atmosphere, which King Carol II afterwards was, was not, I would say he was not willing to, uh, to, um, to moderate it, to, to calm it down. And uh, so the royal dictatorship, in fact, is a continuity uh, by necessity of the Goga government, it it just has to uh, work out how to manage the situation created by the Goga government, and it manages very badly because, as I have said, they want to be to appear as nationalists in order to uh, not be blamed uh, that they are unnationalists by uh, persecuting the Legion of Archangel Michael. And uh, so out of necessity and out of this spirit of we need to show to prove our nationalism, they continue the policy of the Goga government against the Jews. 
Um, what is new in the royal dictatorship, however, is what regards the other minorities, because um, the whole situation that appears in 1938 in Central and Eastern Europe, which is due to the crisis of the Sudeten in uh, Czechoslovakia, makes the Romanians uh, think that it would be better to um, have the minorities as allies rather than enemies. And so they um, uh, create in uh, May 1938 this uh, Commissariat General for the Minorities, which becomes in August 1938, a full-fledged uh, institution with uh, rules of conduct. And at the same time, in August 1938, he also published a so-called status of the minorities. It's just a so-called status because, in fact, it's just a, it's a, um, a journal al Consiglio Lui dei Ministri, which was a document which came from the... Uh, government, which uh, but which had no legal value, and in fact, all it does it's, uh, is repeat the different uh, uh, guarantees for the minorities that are, exist already in the 1919 minority treaties. So there is a, a big change um, between the royal dictatorship and the Goga government. The Goga government had a very ambiguous uh, stance towards. Uh, the non-Jewish minorities, because on the one hand, it was trying to uh, have agreements with the um, parties of the minorities in order to to bolster the result of the elections. On the other uh, side, it was also taking measures, as we have mentioned it before, the revision of the uh, diplomas of the physicians, which also affected the minorities. Uh, so, um, um, let's also say the for last difference between the um, Goga government and the royal dictatorship, I have mentioned um, uh, that the royal dictatorship was continuing and partly worsening the anti-Semitic policies started uh, under the Goga government. But here we also have a very clear difference because the Goga government was openly anti-Semitic, but uh, this law of the revision, uh, the general revision of the citizenship actually was worded in such a form as not to appear anti-Semitic. And uh, the royal dictatorship somehow continues this policy and uh, laws are not openly anti-Semitic and uh, the argumentation is mostly not anti-Semitic, openly anti-Semitic, but worded in nationalist terms. And then you have the moment when uh, uh, France is defeated in, um, well, France is defeated in uh, June 1940 and um, Romania turns completely towards Germany. And then you have the first openly anti-Semitic laws, which are the uh, laws of uh, August 1940, which uh, ban different categories of Jews, uh, almost all Jews, from different uh, positions.
Mm, so, yeah, it evolves and fits and starts, but continues in the same direction the whole time. Um, what what opportunities for future research do you see on these regimes? Do you think in this book you've just scratched the tip of the iceberg, or are there other important perspectives on these regimes that we still need to investigate as historians? Well, as I said before, I found quite a lot of archival materials, and um, I decided to focus on the economic aspect and uh, more precisely on this question of access uh, to work, because uh, it's an essential question, it's a question of the survival of the minorities. I mean, most people in Romania, in inter Romania, depended on their work on the on their salaries and uh, so for me it was important to see uh, in how far the Romanian government uh, was uh, affecting the the subsistence of the uh, the minorities however there are other questions regarding the minorities that are not uh, only um, linked to their survival. For instance, there's the question of education. I have written an article about Ukrainian education, but in general, um, uh, this uh, affects the cultural rights of the minorities. Um, Germans and Hungarians are allowed to have an education in their language, also private education, but also the Romanian state uh, tries to create public schools because it thinks that it uh, has a better influence on the minorities through uh, public schools and the minorities' languages. Uh, then there's the question of the Jewish educations uh, with the uh, in August uh, 1940 with anti-Semitic laws, Jews uh, are banned from. Uh, non-Jewish schools. So, I mean, there's quite a lot to research on that, for instance, on the cultural rights of uh, um, the minorities during the Goga government and the royal dictatorship. Um, then there's also the question of the big project of the regime. There have been some studies, for instance, uh, Florin Greco has uh, written about the uh, front of national rebirth and about the uh, national uh, the um, uh, party of the nation the success of the front of the uh, uh, national rebirth so uh, there is a bit of uh, there are some studies about them but what was the big idea behind the regime how did it want to evolve. I mean, it was not meant to last only from uh, February 1938 until September 1940. And uh, it also changed quite a lot uh, uh, due to the uh, international um, uh, situation. Uh, I have written, I have prepared now an article on the corporatist project, for instance, of the regime. That, that are questions which are really interesting and uh, there you can have a lot of research on the um, connections between the ideology uh, ideology behind the uh, 
um, royal dictatorship and the ideology of other fascist uh, states, but also of uh, some states that were not fascist, but somehow had corporatist or otherwise elements. And finally, uh, something which I also think is very important and where there is a far too many, uh, too, far too uh, little studies about are the questions of uh, international relations. I mean, um, uh, now we are talking a lot about Ukraine. There has been this state, uh, Karpash in Ukraine, um, uh, that was uh, actually an autonomous uh, part of Czechoslovakia that uh, declared uh, independence in March 1939, on the very day when uh, Hitler allowed uh, Hungary to attack it and to uh, annex it. So we don't know a lot about that. I found, for instance, in the, in the archives um, one uh, report by a local authority in Maramores who visited the president of Karpash in Ukraine in uh, its capital, Hust, which was just over the border. Then there are some notes by King Charles II that show that Romania was actually um, that he wanted, in fact, to annex a part of the territories of Karpash in Ukraine, but finally they didn't do it because they were afraid of uh, the Hungarians. I mean, there are also other questions regarding international relations, Romanian-Polish relations, for instance. Uh, there has been a lot of studies about them, but they are all in a very positive key. And, uh, in fact, we don't really know what happened, for instance, in uh, September 1939, how Romania reacted to the German and afterwards the Soviet invasion of Poland, how Poles uh, were treated in, um, uh, in Romania, the Polish minority, Polish refugee. I mean, there's quite a lot still to be written about. Well, hopefully this this book serves as sort of a springboard to encourage other people to start looking at this period seriously and um, to get into some of the sources that you've explored and talked about today. Um, so thank you very much for chatting to us about this book. Um, I've learned a lot and um, hopefully other people have too. Thank you very much, Holland. <laughs>